we're in a situation where we have put together and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Welcome to the BCP podcast. I am James Black, conservative patriot. It is Saturday. Hope you're having a great weekend so far. Welcome to this weekend edition. Let's get into what I didn't cover yesterday, but I told you I would, and we're doing it now. And it has to do with the highlights slash lowlights of day two of Fannie Willis. Now, let me tell you up front, this is not going to be all about Fannie Willis trial in this episode. We did we I did a 50-minute episode on day one of the trial. Just going to show you some of the highlight lowlights and have those segue into other themes and other news stories I want to cover. So let's look at Nathan Wade's friend. Something very interesting happening with Nathan Wade's friend. The judge went off on Nathan Wade's friend and former business partner Terrence Bradley for going to a doctor's appointment despite having a testimony to give. Right now, I think he's in violation of a subpoena. Isn't that freaking convenient? Oh, I've got a doctor's appointment. Even though he'd been subpoenaed and the previous day, the Georgia bar was telling him not to say anything. Hmm. I wonder what, uh, what, what doctor's appointment he had. Was it perhaps an appointment to see his proctologist because he's full of... Okay, let's move on here, folks. Uh... Jonathan Turley said the judge in Georgia just warned counsel for Terrence Bradley that he considers a medical appointment without notice to be a violation of a subpoena. His counsel insists that he must meet with his doctor to follow up on his status in light of his appointment. Hmm. Okay, the real interesting thing was John C. Floyd III, the radical Black Panther father of Fannie Willis. And I didn't know this before this trial about Fannie Willis's background, but it all makes sense now. You'll see what I'm talking about here. The radical father of Fannie Willis, who advised her during the high-profile indictment of President Trump, claimed under oath he had prior knowledge of the COVID-19 outbreak while living in South Africa in 2019. His past involvement with the Black Panthers, including a high-ranking position within the Los Angeles chapter and a subsequent transition to a defense attorney after leaving the group in the early 1970s, has been well-documented. Floyd also gained notoriety for his association with Angela Davis, a controversial figure accused of involvement in kidnappings and murders. According to Floyd, his experience in travels while residing in South Africa, a country with close ties to China through extensive foreign relations, gave him advanced knowledge of the emergence of COVID-19. Now let me play that clip for you. Yeah, I mean... I had heard that her dad was, you know, a Black Panther or something. I just didn't really, you know, that he was an activist, I think I heard, but didn't know that he knew like Angela Davis and uh, lived in South Africa. And uh, obviously he saw what was coming before many of us did. Did you spend any time in 2019 in California? No, and the reason I didn't is that when I first came here, the answer is no, I did not. What happened was COVID. Once COVID hit, um, 
that uh, I mean I was just paralyzed. I couldn't go any place. I couldn't go anything. I mean I'm a theater buff. I used to go to the theater at least once a week. But when COVID hit, I just couldn't. I couldn't go to the dentist, which I need to do. Or you know, I just uh, it was just a thing. So I was just stuck. I was just stuck there. I may be wrong, but I believe COVID hit in 2020. So I was asking about 2019. In 2019, did you spend any time in California? Before COVID was even here in the United States. Remember, I lived in South Africa and I've traveled the world. I knew COVID was coming before. I knew COVID was around before. They may have announced it in in 20, but in fact, I knew about it and I knew what was happening uh, in 19. Okay, so so let's let's walk through 2019 then. Now it is true that we were getting murmurings and whispers of this outbreak in in China in 2019, but that was late 2019, like the last few months. Or could it just be that when she asked about 19, 2019, he already had his prepared statements about COVID, and then just made up all that other nonsense. Because he was caught in a lie. I'll let you be the judge. Please put it down below. All right, you know her dad was a Black Panther. So, of course, we've got to have some race baiting. And his job is to make his daughter look like a victim of a witch hunt. As she plays her role as an operative in the witch hunt against President Trump. Fannie Willis's dad says that Fannie was forced to leave her house because people threatened and called her the N-word. That's why she had to shack up with Nathan Wade. So she could have protection in his strong black arms against all those racist people calling her a ninja. Calling her a nincompoop. In the morning, um, there were people outside her house uh, cursing and yelling and calling her the B-word and the N-word and just i mean it was bizarre okay i mean it just now quite honestly i don't know if that did or didn't happen of course the narrative for from the west coast and east coast white liberal elites would have you believe that everyone south of the mason nixon line is a racist so this took place in georgia so of course there are people calling her the n-word and the b-word you know but you know, there, there are some knuckleheads. Could have been some black men and women calling her the N-word. Who knows? Who knows? But he goes, the, the last thing he says, I, I find to be very interesting. He says, what's the word he uses? Bizarre. He says, it's bizarre. No, what's bizarre to me, if you want to talk about people protesting, is there's a federal law that says you cannot protest in front of jurors and judges but when Roe v. Wade was overturned, it was fine for people to go and bizarrely make noise and petition, protest, break the law in front of the houses of our Supreme Court justices. That truly, really, if you want to define it, that was, oh, I don't know, as Mr. Floyd here calls it, bizarre. Uh, the house uh, to take care of the yard to take care of that also somebody sprayed um, um, again the b word and the n word on the house and 
No, I don't think my daughter even knew that. Uh, I cleaned it off and called the police. And Mr. Floyd is a hero in his own story. He would stop by his daughter's place. Oh no, someone wrote nonsense and spray painted it on her house. Someone put the B word, baked goods, you know, because Fanny Willis has got a fat fanny. And she probably likes carbs. We're having fun, folks, here. There's it's the weekend. It's the weekend. And don't forget, I'm a black guy, so a fat fanny is not a bad thing. <laughs> We're having fun here, folks. It's the weekend. Have a little levity. But anyway, don't worry about it. Papa Floyd went to the rescue and Fanny Willis was none the wiser that someone had spray painted and vandalized her property with the B word and the N word because he cleaned it up and then he called the police. Now I'm sure no one's going to dig that deep, but are there any police reports corroborating this? And her house is vandalized, but she has no idea because her dad came to the rescue and cleaned it up before she got home or before the police even arrived. Don't we wish we all had dads like that? Uh, It's a rhetorical question. I would not want John Floyd uh, to be my father. And luckily, he's not. All right. This next one uh, is interesting. It got, uh, it got a, uh, it's getting a lot of attention on social media. I think maybe uh, for obvious reasons. Because if you remember the first day, she talked about how she has all this cash. Well, dad had to come in and do some damage control on Fannie Willis letting every illegal alien and crook out there to know to break into her house because she's got tons of cash. But don't worry, we've got Daddy coming to the rescue. Uh, savings of cash? Oh, no, she, oh, no. See, maybe, excuse me, and I, Your Honor, I'm not trying to be racist, okay? But it's a black thing, okay? You know, I was trained. And most black folks, they hide cash. So So Mr. Floyd says, Your Honor, I'm I'm not trying to be racist, but it's a black thing. The first when I first heard that, I laughed because it reminded me of a Key and Peele sketch. The guitar sketch, if you want to look it up, where he says, I promise you this next thing's not going to be racist. And his new neighbor says, Why do I have a feeling... It's going to be the most racist thing yet. No, dude, dude, please. Hey, give me, you know, can I do one more? Let me just do one more, dog. I absolutely promise you that this song is not racist and it's impossible for you to misinterpret it as such. Okay, it seems like you're about to sing the most racist song so far. I'm not. So he says, that's not a racist thing. It's a black thing. I, I, I don't care. But can you imagine if someone said, uh, your your honor, I don't want to be racist, but uh, we put our money in the in, in the bank. It's a white thing. You know, it's a white thing. People would go crazy over that. The double standard is so ridiculous. And the statement is ridiculous. It's not a black thing. I would say it's an American thing. And it's a social economic thing. Wealthy and upper middle class people have safes and they have money in their safe and they know it's always good to have cash just in case. And then lots of poor people, they don't trust the banking system, so they'll have cash. And that's for black and white poor Americans and black and white richer Americans. And then I found in my banking experience, and I'm just, this is anecdotal, 
I find that the people who least have cash in their home are middle-class folks and some, you know, working middle-class folks because they just use their debit or credit cards and, and that's it. And they never have cash or young people. Young people just use like cash app and they Zelle and they never have cash on them. They never go to the bank. Uh, they are totally trained for when they want to get everyone in on their uh, Mark of the Beast system. So that, I thought that was uh, pretty ridiculous. What are your thoughts? Uh, put them down below. Okay, let's wrap up here with uh, with Fannie Willis and the second day of the trial or the hearing. The judge in the case, Scott McAfee, indicated that John Floyd's testimony could be discredited because he was prepped for the testimony with Fannie in the room. And Fannie's dad, Mr. Floyd, also ignored the rules about not watching the news about the case, which he admitted to doing. That's why he was familiar with the whole cash thing. And that's why he came up with this. It's a black thing and what have you. But of course, there'll be no consequences because these are anti-Trump operatives and must be protected at all costs. Okay, Nathan Wade's business partner claimed his former partner committed perjury during his testimony yesterday. My card once. Do recall him using my card once. When was that? I don't even know when that was, and that sounds true. Um, I recall him using my card once, but I cannot remember what that was for. I do remember it was a trip. So is this possible perjury? Because Nathan Wade said that uh, on the first day of trial, and I showed that to you in the previous episode, that he said, I'm not trying to hide anything. Anything, Everything is on my credit card. So if I was trying to hide something, I wouldn't put it on my credit card. Yet his uh, former business partner and his friend is saying, yeah, he used my card. I don't remember what it was for, but it was for a trip. I wonder if they're going to go down that rabbit hole and verify and validate the uh, the statement there. Okay. But as... Trump appointee, Robert Bowles put it, the scam keeps piling up today in the Georgia Get Trump hoax. Oh, he calls it the, the Get Trump hoax. I, I guess we can, that, that is the, that would make sense. I mean, I didn't, I didn't read someone calling it the Get, Ho- the Get Trump hoax, but we know that's what it is. Everything is the Get Trump hoax at any cost, whether it's Fannie Willis, Letitia James, and the other Marxist, treasonous, traitorous, rat bastards going after the greatest president of our lifetime. Here we go. Lawrence Bradley testified that Fulton DA Fannie Willis dished out no-bid contracts to her lover Nathan Wade's law firm, Wade, Bradley, and Campbell. The contract work had typically, the, the contract work had typically been done in-house. One of the contracts was to perform conflict of interest checks, filters on the taint team. Yet another contract was to work was for work to do first appearance representations for Fulton DA. The sketchy no-bid lover contract for taint work only happened because of the romantic relationship between Nathan Wade and Fannie Willis. And of course, let's not forget that uh, that they were they were performing conflict of interest checks as one of the contracts. Can't make this stuff up. Nor can you make up this next story. The race baiters and the divisive agents and the fear mongers of non-existence 
white supremacy threat against black Americans are at it again. Now, sometimes, like this next story is so ridiculous. Sometimes I wonder if I should even report on this because I feel like I'm feeding into this psychosis. But at the same time, my job is to inform and to give you my my commentary and hopefully make that entertaining because this is absolutely crazy clown world we live in. So levity goes a long way to communicating this information. But then I realized that, yeah, I need to let you guys know this brain cancer, what these lying Marxist bastards are up to because they're poisoning the minds of our children, grandchildren. I don't have any grandchildren yet. And our nieces and nephews and the young generation and the current generation, we must be aware of their tactics so we can fight back against it. And this one's absolutely, this one's laughable and ridiculous and sad and frustrating and makes you want to, you'll see here. Maybe it's worse for me than it is it is for you, but this, well, yeah, maybe it is. And I'll explain why that is in a second. Let me, let me stop teeing it up and actually show you the story. World literature and composition students were told that worship of the written word is white supremacy because it's an erasure of the white range, of the wide, not the white range, the wide range of ways we communicate with each other. Seattle English students told it's white supremacy to love reading and writing. Look, this is absolutely, first of all, that is racist. What black people haven't contributed, contributed to the written word. I guess they're not teaching people. I, I know this for a fact. They're not teaching children about Frederick Douglass. They're not teaching them about any of, are, are, are kids reading the autobiography of Malcolm X? Are they reading uh, Emerson's, the uh, excuse me, Ellison's The uh, Invisible Man? Are they learning any of that black history? Any good black history or at least thought-provoking black history? Or is it just victimhood black history that they're being t- taught? And as a black person, I can tell you that they're, in the, in, I never, I didn't grow up in the hood, folks. I lived in Harlem the first nine, ten years of my life. By the time I was right before uh, sixth grade, I was already in California in the LA Unified School District in mixed schools and predominantly white schools with Jewish and Asian and white and Hispanic kids and black kids. I don't know what part of the country you're from. I know some parts of this country are are, are still segregated, not by mandate. I I know a lot of uh, I've got people in my own family that are very well-to-do and they rather live in, and they live in the South, and they'd rather live in a black upper-class neighborhood than in a mixed neighborhood. What I'm saying is there, in many of the inner city in the hood and some places, it's considered white if you like to read and write and if you like academics and you do well in school. It's ridiculous. And it's ridiculous to teach children this. Yes, there are oral traditions. Yes, my slave ancestors didn't know how to read or write. So a lot of stories were passed uh, verbally. But guess what? We'd lose them if they weren't freaking written down. I sat down with my both my great-great-grandmothers. I was blessed to have my great-great 
grandmothers alive well into my adulthood. It's one of the reasons why I got married very young. I'm still in my 40s. Uh, one child married, uh, ju- uh, junior, wrapping up school. And he's like, okay, now I kind of want to look for my spouse. So, you know, conceivably in the next few years, I will be a grandfather. And then hopefully, you know, their children will get married in their early 20s. And then I'll be in my 70s and I'll have great grandchildren. And then when I'm in my 90s, I'll have great, great grandchildren. But anyway, I had two great grandmothers and I sat down with them, both of them to get tons of stories from, you know, doing my genealogy, my family history. And the great thing is they were written down. I typed them up in in a journal. So how is reading and writing racist? It's the race baiters and the dividers. This type of philosophy holds black children back. In the name of wokeness. Oy vey. Oy vey. I told you I went to uh, mixed uh, <laughs> mixed schools in California. Sometimes my Yiddish is strong. Okay. Lukeville border agent threatened to arrest a journalist for covering what was going on on at the border, jeffrainforth.com. During my seven weeks camped out at Lukeville, Arizona, Port of Entry, a border patrol agent threatened to arrest me because I was filming on the border road right next to the port. The agent ironically told me I could be arrested for trespassing as about 1,000 illegal aliens were lined up against the border wall. They had come through cut cuts in the wall to the west. I mean, yeah, the irony is off the charts here, off the freaking charts. So he includes a photo which shows where the agent threatened to arrest him. And for those of you listening to this, he's on a road next to the wall. Let me play you. Let me play you the clip. I think that's as far out as I can go. So you got Border Patrol down here. Uh, they're. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I'm have to leave the okay. Cannot be out here. Okay. Cool. They'll be arrested. Trespassing. Okay. So, uh, okay, come on, keep it rolling. So, looks like they're, uh, come on, sir. oh, yeah, yeah, they said I could be out here. No, they cannot be out here. Uh, National Parks did. No, they cannot be out here. Oh, okay. So, uh, one Border Patrol agent said that I can't be out here. So, out of, uh, like 20 that I've talked to so far. What's up, man? <laughs> What's up, man? How are you? Cool. All right. Hey. Now, for those of you listening to this uh, and not watching it, he puts a note uh, uh, up here. You know, he's the the, uh, the border says, "Okay, come on, keep it rolling. Come on, sir. You know, getting out of here. You can be for trespassing." And he he puts a little note here. Goes now he's just being a corrupt POS, probably paid off by cartels or a smuggling group. Uh, and then he clearly says that it was a national park service had told him a park ranger told him he could be on the on the road filming. He just couldn't drive on the road. You know, I guess not to block access, but that he could, you know, walk and film the road. I mean, that is his First Amendment right. What's up, man? How are you? Cool. All right. Hey. So, Border Patrol's here. To uh, Rainforth report on Substack. Uh, Yeah, everybody, Daryl. And he's showing there that later in the day, 
uh, there were other agents and they had no problem with him. It was just this particular agent that did and he wanted to bring uh, attention to that. But the irony there, you can't film these trespassers or we're going to arrest you for trespassing. Crazy what we have right now. And this was his comment before we move on to the next one. I think it was a very fair comment. He tweeted out, a corrupt border patrol agent threatened to arrest me because I was filming on the border road by the Lukeville port of entry. He lied and said I couldn't be there. A park ranger said I could be and that border patrol has no control over the road. National Park does and I have uh, First Amendment rights. I spoke to a woman who lives in Mexico across from Lukeville who said everyone there is corrupt. I believe the corruption extends to the U.S. side. Out of all the border agents I met in seven weeks filming in Lukeville, this guy was 100% the biggest piece of work. Everyone else was pretty cool and gave me awesome info on where to film stuff going down. We need to vet agents to weed out the bad ones. Yeah, a lot a lot of these folks on Border Patrol, they join Border Patrol, not just for a career or a job, because they want to protect the border and they feel frustrated. But like you are in a, and I'm not excusing, I'm just reporting this out how it is. When you're in a hierarchy, hierarchy structure, you just follow the rules. So if the... Border Patrol may not like what Mayorkas is doing, but it's their job to just follow instructions from the secretary as it comes down. That being said, I, I read an article that where there's a lot of a lot of people, I don't know if, if it's a huge significant number, but there are people who have left the Border Patrol. They just do not want to have any part of it. And they moved on to something else. That'd be interesting if anyone in the Eagle Pass section left Border Patrol and then joined like, you know, the Department of Public Safety or the National Guard over on the Texas side. I'm sure there are some who have done that. I am sure there are some who have left this job and perhaps still want to do their job and they're in Texas doing what they signed up to do as Border Patrol agents. All right. In a weird segue, speaking of Texas, speaking of black man in Texas, Speaking of a black man in Texas who is a patriot, or I don't know much about this gentleman, but my understanding is he's uh, he's based, and I'm talking about uh, Wesley Hunt over in Texas. Check out this tweet. Why does Secretary of Defense have a Ukrainian flag in his office? What, are they the 51st state? That comes from father, husband, army veteran, West Point graduate, native Texan, and congressman for Texas's 38th district, Wesley Hunt. This Wesley Hunt, obviously, he, he's a Texan, so he's probably a proud Texan, and he probably has a Texas flag in his home and a United States flag, which I think is correct. I think if you are a representative of the people, you sh- you should show your allegiance to the United States with the U.S. flag and to the state that you represent. But you shouldn't be having flags of other countries, especially, or maybe not especially, maybe I should say, including if you are the defense secretary of the United States of America. And I'm going to have to agree with Wesley Hunt on this one. Is Ukraine the 51st state? And is that what they're trying to tell us? That we should consider Ukraine even higher than Puerto Rico. At this point, they're not even trying to hide where their allegiance lie. 
It's all in the money that they want to launder to Ukraine and back. And that is why they hate Donald John Trump, the greatest president of our lifetime, because he was America first. It's all hands on deck. It's all, all the arrows in the quiver must be pointed at President Trump. It is get Trump time. And as I reported yesterday, $364 million judgment against President Trump and he can't conduct business in New York for three years. Now, of course, he's going to appeal this. It's ridiculous. It'll be overturned, I hope. But why would you want to do business in New York City? Or in the state of New York at all after this? That means a judge without a jury can just say that you're guilty. And even though there's no victims of a crime, they can come after you. If you're a developer... If you're anyone with wrong think, why the hell would you want to be in New York? Cash Patel was on Fox Business, the bottom line with Dagan and McDowell and Duffy. And this is exactly what they discussed. Kick in in the state of New York for Letitia James runs in the seven figures. She doesn't care about the state of New York City or its everyday citizenry because she lives a thousand feet above them with her own private security detail, cars, airplanes and transportation. She doesn't ever go down the street and see the criminality of her own conduct. And that's the dichotomy between everyday citizens and what we have just seen happened to Donald J. Trump. And I think people across America are viewing this as a totally unconstitutional act that must be vindicated by the appellate courts. Otherwise, we will allow the weaponization of justice to be completed and rig presidential elections. And that can't stand. From Before we go, from a financial and economic perspective, this woman and this judge used a law that does not require fraudulent intent you don't have to prove, uh, you don't have to allege a losses, we just lost cash, um, at a time th- that businesses are leaving New York. Yeah. They took this law and used it against President Trump for political purposes. And what business would want to uh, so start a business Exactly. If you run a business, big or small, in New York State, you have to know or assume somebody with a political axe to grind will come after you too. You better get the hell out of here. Yeah, why would you want to do business in New York? Very, one of the many reasons why we left California. Not exactly business friendly, not tax friendly. And now New York is showing their hands. They've showed their cards that they'll go after you for wrong think or for being on the wrong political side. But I've got to show you what Steve Bannon said today about what happened yesterday. It's worse than that. It's full on good versus evil here, folks. That's what we're really witnessing right now. And this is going to be quite tough, quite tough. You've seen over the last 72 hours how they comport themselves. You've seen how they roll. This is not going to get easier. It's only going to get harder. 
the forces of the modern world of modernity are arrayed against you, your movement and your leader. And they will stop at nothing. There is no law that they will not break. There's no, uh, there's no dirty trick they won't pull. There's nothing they won't do. Because their objective here is to imprison them. It hasn't been obvious in the last 72 hours. Their objective is not simply to bankrupt Trump. Their, their objective is to imprison him and to have him die in prison. Steve Bannon is absolutely bang on this. And I might add, they're also trying to kill him. Straight up murder him, assassinate him. And that's been thwarted. By the hand of providence, I honestly believe. There have been so many threats against President Trump. There's been so much animus. I mean, the whole gates of hell have been against President Trump. Not President Trump, the man, but what he's trying to do. Trying to make America, once again, the Judeo-Christian free republic that was the foundation of this country. Not the evil, demonic, globalist, Marxist control that they are trying to make America now. I want to play you this next clip. I don't want to break it up because Steve Bannon this morning on a Saturday did so well with this, 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 this portion. I want you to hear what we are in the middle of in this modern day and what happened yesterday is a sign or is a manifestation of that. Is that everything they do only enrages us more, only makes us more committed to this cause, only makes us understand the stakes involved and also makes us understand that there is no compromise, none whatsoever. There couldn't be starker. And that is why the steel was providential. God Almighty wanted us to see that because we were blind up until then. We were blind up until then. People still talked about Republicans and Democrats and liberals and conservatives and, oh, this tax cut and this regulation. No, no, no. It's not about any of that. As it is about that. But it's not about that. That's the manifestations. It's deeper. That's what our work is on this Saturday. To make sure because if you quit, if you look away, if you're weak, it's over. It's over. And they know that. That's why they want to break Trump and they want to break Trump publicly in front of you to scare you, to wave you off, to have you back down, to have you cower, to have you curl up in the fetal position and say no more. It truly is a modern-day holy war. It's a holy war. It's a holy war. And they have shown their cards. And what they did yesterday was yet another blatant, in-our-face, stark, transparent for the whole world to see manifestation and example 
of who they truly are and who they truly represent. President Trump is a divisive figure. We don't, I don't, have never made any claim otherwise because he's fighting the forces that would destroy this republic. Because now we see exactly what they want to do, exactly who they are, exactly what they will do, exactly what they value. They've turned over their face cards, and it's every, it's every aspect of life. Every aspect of life. Neo-Marxist, globalist, atheist, demonic. Let's call it what it is, demonic. That's what it is. Man, Steve Bannon knocked out of the park with his sermon this morning and didn't really have much to add. And if you've been on this show, you know that I've used very similar language. And many of us, lovers of the Constitution, lovers of Jesus, of our God in heaven, of the biblical Judeo-Christian principles and values of which this country was built on, we know this is a battle of forces seen and unforeseen. This is over dominions and principalities. This is a battle of good and evil and the demonic forces of Marxism want to control every aspect, destroy the nuclear family, mass genocide through the lie of abortion is a woman's body's right, and then killing us with vaccines that don't work and are actually bioweapons, having us go through unnecessary, unrighteous wars, and then have us living in crime-ridden cities so that we're too afraid to fight the real enemies and we're cowering and living in fear because of lawlessness and the decline and the falling out of the bottom of our American society and the rule of law. That all sounds like something that Satan would plan because he did. These are demonic plans. There's a demonic agenda. And that is why we must be stalwart and not give up the fight. It's not time to be shy, folks. 2024 is a time to be bold. Let people know why you support Trump. It's not just about Trump, folks. Why you support the rule of law. Why you support pro-life. Why you support the First Amendment. Why you support the Second Amendment? Why you support holding our representatives accountable? Why you support America first so that we can stop all of those evil forces that are literally invading our country? Now is not a time to be shy. And if I didn't inspire you, I hope my playing Steve Bannon inspired you. Have a great rest of your weekend. We will be back. And by we, I mean me. Ciao, goodbye, God bless, big hug, and once again, thanks for your support. This is a subscriber-supported show, and we greatly appreciate your support. 